You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. I'm something of a witch. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I'm your host, Encrypted Enthusiast Cord, and I'm joined here with the queen of everything Kiki, and our guest, the biggest of boots, the goddess of Zillow fans, Logan. How you doing, Cord? Thank you for having me, sir. I'm alive. Same, same. Wow, we bring so much energy to this podcast. <laughs> Woo, yeah, it's summertime, bitches. It's actually hot outside for the last few days, but also been raining here. That's why I feel like this. It's hot. Yeah, we haven't caught a break here. Uh, we finally, well, you know, there was the whole not quite neighbor tried to burn the entire forest down in a, during a red flag situation. That was fun. So we went from having like zero water to um water since thursday <laughs> so it's like thursday friday saturday sunday and tomorrow yay rain but we need it so i can't really complain but it's really humid and gross how's your guys gardens hanging in there with all this because like it hasn't rained it rained here yesterday for the first time in two months it's so, like my garden's like trash yeah mine's okay because i did water it i got i got the water hookup fixed out here so i was able to keep it going okay but it just hasn't been hot we didn't really have like 80 degree weather until recently. And I've noticed like none of my daylilies have really bloomed, which kind of happens already a little bit. And then my basil and stuff that I put in pretty early, I just put it straight in like outside after the first frost. It's coming up, but it is taking forever to come up. It's just not been hot. It's really weird. How about you, Cord? You still doing okay with your, your, your beans? Did you get beans in? I got beans in, but like super late. I was not able to get anything planted this year. Uh, life happened, so didn't have time to do that. We did put soil sessions on hold for a little bit because, yeah. Just quit your job, Cord. Come on. <laughs> Just become a farmer. Duh. Oh, yeah. Uh, listen, if I could, it already been done. True that. Yeah, I think we're just going to jump right into it today. So we'll break for sponsor and a promo from one of our favorite podcasts. And when we get back, we're going to be talking about haunted date parks, national parks, city parks. It's going to be fun. Hi, guys. I'm Courtney. And I'm Lisa. And we are the hosts of The Book of the Dead, a true crime podcast based out of New Jersey, where we tell you about the most obscure cases that you may have never heard of. So join us in The Book of the Dead library for another chapter of The Book of the Dead wherever you get your podcasts. Bye, guys. Well, welcome back, everyone. Hey, how was that was a good promo by that insert podcast name here. They're great. I love them. So... Kiki, we're talking about parks. We are talking about parks. This started off as a, can we talk about haunted campgrounds? Because I would love to send some people to go sleep out in a tent in the middle of the woods that also has a reputation for being haunted. But I found out that it was a lot more difficult in this area to find places that were actually considered just campgrounds. So we expanded our search and we, uh, we just said, you know what? Let's go national parks, state parks and city parks so you can basically do either you can just hang out and be scared at a city park or you know, i mean if you're really brave um and if you have a can-do attitude you can also camp out in the city park and then if you don't want to get in trouble then uh go to a national park or a state park that has camping i didn't know you could you could camp at state parks honestly did not know that well some of them do so like when i was at yosemite i remember we you could camp there yeah that makes sense like that's like yosemite like that's like a cool place I'm just used to Iowa, where it's like, yeah, I, I, no one's gonna. I guess you could camp there. No one's gonna stop you. Like they don't care. And I do know you can camp at the state park that I'm gonna be talking about. Yeah, there's actually uh one, two, three, four, uh four campgrounds within the state park that I'll be talking about. Not sure about the second one, or I said the national park I'm talking about. 
since you're in good old Iowa, we had you regale us with some stories from your neck of the woods for a change. All right, so there's two parks. One actually in the city I live in, and I like completely forgot it was supposed to be haunted. But like as a kid, it was always talked about. And then like now as an adult, I don't hear about it. I only go there like just to spin polka stops at Pokemon Go here and there. So I haven't been there in a while. Mm-hmm. Eagle Point Park in Clinton, Iowa. Um, so it's a pretty big park, and also it's like right behind and next to a huge massive cemetery. But it's actually not the cemetery part that makes it haunted. No one really mentions the cemetery a whole lot. And it's actually a really nice park. There's like a dog park, and there's actually like a castle inside the park, like a stone castle that's like 40, 50 feet tall. Mm. Really cool. It smells like pee, because like everyone goes <laughs> there to pee. Um, myself included oh, as a child, I definitely peed in that castle. Oh, Vivid God. memories of that. And it's where people get their wedding photos and their senior photos. And you just, you just know, like, that's where I peed. I peed in that photo. But the, the castle's not haunted either. There's actually, uh, in the 1930s, when they built the park, they also built, like, a set of stairs that go down from the bluff down to the Mississippi River. Because the city's right on the Mississippi River. And they call it the Thousand Steps. Thousand Stairs. And since then, it's, like, totally dilapidated like it's really hard to get down there and like every couple of years there's always a story of someone falling down to their death trying to get down there uh usually like a kid or something like that uh, it's unfortunate but like in the 60s and 70s like it was really bad like there was like one kid a year so like those stairs are supposed to be like really haunted looking it up into it and like trying to like dig into the nitty-gritty of it there's not really like a specific ghost entity that haunts there they're just always like oh there's disembodied voices you hear and then, like, there's some people who say, like, oh, this is, like, the 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 first kid that died there from the 70s. But not a, not a lot of that's, like, really traceable. And then it gets really weird. It's like, oh, there's Native American burial grounds there. It's, like, in the in the bluffs? I, maybe? I don't know. But so it gets kind of gets kind of weird. But it's, like, a really pretty area. When I was a high schooler, it was, like, an area you're supposed to, like, make the trek down there before you graduate and try to do the thousand steps. And I'm like, no. I'm overweight and uncoordinated. I am not going down this, like, literally rock climbing down. Like, So that's the spirit. Like, fuck yeah. no. <laughs> fuck that. No, I'm not doing it. It's called the Thousand Stairs. The Thousand Steps. I don't remember if it's steps or stairs. I don't. I live in this town. I don't even know. But it's not, like, like some of it are steps that are, like, carved into the side of the bluff down to the river. But a lot of it, it's like, oh, hey, here's, like, a giant, like, 15-foot gap that you kind of have to, like... There's no stairs, no walkway. You have to kind of like jump the gap. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. And it's it's probably a solid like couple hundred hundred feet from the top to the bottom if you were to fall. So it's definitely like a bad situation. So yeah, if you ever got if you guys ever come out here, I can show you it, but you're gonna climb down at your own risk. I'm not I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Cord, you're athletic. You're a big strong man. You could do it. I have glass knees. <laughs> <laughs> I have glass ankles. Together, we're half half glass on the waist down. Shit, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching like an eighty year old uh, lady doing the steps, so you know. Uh, all right, if an eighty more, if an eighty year old lady is more coordinated than me, I'll 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 take that. I'll take that L. <laughs> <laughs> She's on YouTube. I was trying to get a feel for what you were talking about. Yeah, they're they're not. Yeah, like part of it looks like actual stairs, and then you're kind of like. Everything else is a little sketchy. Yeah, part of it's like kind of nice. It's kind of like a nice little hike. Like when I used to ant, I used to have uh, ant farms and like collect ant colonies. I would always go there in the spring to look for like you know queen new queen ants emerging from the surface. And like you know for a little bit, it's not too bad. It's a really nice hike. But then there's like a definite point where it's like, oh, this was made like before women could vote. So this isn't safe to walk down. Like this is definitely <laughs> really old and rough to walk down. So my second one, it's the state park. This is Makokata, Iowa. It's where I had my live show for Lost Legends. There's a cave system there called the Makokata Caves. It's creepy as hell, and people love to go spelunking there. I did it once, and again, overweight and uncoordinated, it was a nightmare. <laughs> there with all my skinny friends, like, oh yeah, climb up this and climb up that. And I'm like, god damn, guys, I'm trying, but no, the, these hips aren't made for that. That's for sure. <laughs> and there's there's multiple cave systems, and one of them, it's like literally, there's enough room for you to crawl in you have to lay on your back and you have to crawl in through and it's like literally like 18 to 20 inches and then it opens up into a huge giant cavern but you have to crawl through like 
probably 15 yards of like just that and they're like you could do it like no my head is bigger than 18 inches i'm not no logan's not fitting in there that's a place that is also haunted same thing disembodied voices ghost sightings and then they kind of embrace it a little bit once a year they do like a ghost walk or candle candlelight walk and then it's also near the makokota river so like they do like little uh boating tours on the river near the caves like oh hey this is the ghost area and i did find one ghost that inhabits that and her name is big nose kate and i'm like big nose kate from the movie tombstone yeah apparently she haunts that place i don't get it but supposedly big nose kate was born in davenport iowa which is like 20 minutes away from makokota but why would she she's buried in arizona i looked this up she's buried in arizona why is she haunting makokota cave And it was kind of hard to find stuff about the Makokota Caves being haunted because last summer there was like a murder there. Some dude camping uh, actually murdered three people and then killed himself. So all that was hard to like sift through because they're like, oh, there was a ghost gun and stuff. So yeah, there's also Mm -hmm. like a true crime element. If you're a true crime nerd, you can, I guess, visit there also. But the caves are really cool. It's just if you're in a spelunking and you have the lust for that, absolutely visit. It's beautiful. If you're uncoordinated like me it is a one and done experience and makoka is a really nice town uh you can visit tiny pond theater where i had my live show well if you just look up the pictures of this place it is absolutely gorgeous yeah the caves are really pretty i want to go there yeah whenever you come out here to do your visit (laughs) you know absolutely we can do the thousand stairs then you can go spelunking for those of you that may not know what gettysburg is it was the turning point in the american civil war the Union's first real, real big victory that started pushing the uh, Confederacy back down south. It took place in, obviously, the town of Gettysburg. It was like three or four days. I believe it was three days of fighting. A fuck ton of people died. A lot of those deaths particularly taking place in the place I'm going to talk about today. Devil's Den is where... Most of the bloodiest fighting in Gettysburg took place. I believe the numbers I seen were it was about 2,000 Confederate soldiers died, almost 1,000 Union soldiers just in this one spot. I've been there a whole bunch of times. It's a bunch of craggy rocks, so it looks like a place that would suck to fight, and it did. But the Union soldiers ended up defeating the Texas 1st Infantry at that point and it was the turning point of the entire fight at gettysburg and eventually it's what led us to win the fight the specific ghost i'm going to talk about today is a little bit confusing because of the way essentially the name they gave it they called this ghost the happy hippie (laughs) which is absolutely not correct so the first story that this spirit comes up was this lady that went to this information desk and said she was taking pictures at Devil's Den and was looking for a specific spot. And then she got the feeling that somebody was behind her and somebody tapped her on the shoulder. And behind her was a older looking fellow with long hair and he had no shoes and ratty looking clothing, a big old floppy hat. And he said, what you're looking for is over there. And he pointed in some other direction. And Lady was like, okay, thanks, whatever. And kind of like looked away and looked back and the guy was gone. Now, they call him the happy hippie because of the way he looks. He's shoeless. He has the big hat and everything. But this lady described what a common soldier from the Texas infantry would look like. They didn't have, you know, the resources really to be clothing everybody people were actually fighting without shoes it was a rather common thing a lot of times like th- this guy looked like a soldier from the south and this guy has popped up many times there's a lot of people who have claimed that has seen this dude it's just always he's given directions every time or he, the the big thing they say that he does is point people in other directions is it the wrong direction or is it the right direction mm-hmm. the one article said he was pointing towards a specific spot Down towards the river, I think. The river down the road is where he was pointing. There are also, obviously, other ghosts there. There's a ghost that is seen on horseback. There's the obvious one from most battlegrounds where people claim that they still hear fighting. Uh, A lot of people say they have trouble with their cameras at Devil's Den. 
I don't want to get too far into it since we will get into it that subject in its entirety eventually. What, what do you think? You think he's a think he's a real ghost, real boogan, or I think the next time I go to Gettysburg, I'm gonna be looking for him. You gonna call him the Happy Hippie, or you gonna you gonna call him? No, else? I don't think a Confederate soldier from Texas would take kindly to being called that if they understood what the term meant. All right, that's fair. Do you go to Gettysburg often? I used to go every year with my family. We went to, uh, they have a bluegrass festival up there. So we would actually go camping in Gettysburg. I know you can definitely camp there because I did it. (laughs) We would also do the uh, tour every year. Me and my dad would always run pickets, charge, stuff like that. So seems so wild to have like camping grounds there. Like that just kind of blows my mind. They don't have camping grounds like in the, the battlefield part, like it's really just outside of it that you can camp pretty much and you essentially a quick drive and you're at the the battlefield tour stuff okay so it's not like you're like laying down tents where there's like yeah there's like 50 people who died here a lot of the places that were battlefields were at the time are now and probably always will be farm fields like that makes sense picket charges a like land that was a farm so, like, that's just a big field. So, if it wasn't, like, owned by somebody, like, you could literally just put a tent down on it. <laughs> <laughs> they have, like, people that watch for that stuff. So, you won't be there for long. You could. You could do that secret camping thing. Have you seen that on YouTube where the guy, like, stealth camps in, like, illegal places? Well, that's... Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I have not seen that guy, but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's the challenge. Gettysburg Gettysburg camping stealth challenge? I mean it's incredibly disrespectful. I'm not saying it, but I'm like Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. Not not personally me, not me, no, but at your own risk. Let's let's say at your own risk for that. <laughs> you are probably going to be offending ghosts. There's going to be people out there looking for you. So there's a couple of things that are gonna be like, Can you like leave, please? <laughs> the owner of the property wouldn't be super happy the government wouldn't be too happy <laughs> moral of the story don't get caught if you do that's just good advice for life cord yeah it's hard to not get caught by ghosts though that's i don't know how you avoid that but... <laughs> okay so what's really crazy you can look at the pictures from the past and the present and figure out where all those dead bodies were just strewn so you yes. could be standing exactly where someone died, like right there on the battlefield, because we have the photographs of it. It's also really easy to determine when you're at a place called, like Devil's Den, because there's all the rocks. So like, you know, like 3,000 people almost died there. So like, you know, somebody got shot and fell down into this like crevice, like for sure. And also I should mention about Devil's Den, the dead bodies after the fight, they had to sit there for like days. Because nobody wanted to go up. They didn't even, like, bury all of them. A lot of them just you couldn't get to because they were in, like, the cracks. It was, like, too hard to get out and stuff. I guess, standing point, that makes sense for the most haunted place being the bloodiest and the place where probably most of the dead bodies were just left. Well, that was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Can you tell I like covering war stuff? There's, like, the second or third war thing I did in a row, pretty much. (laughs) All right, so I stayed up in Maine for my little parks thing, and mostly because uh, interesting that, you know, Cord, you chose yours because you went there a lot. Well, I chose Acadia National Park because I went there a whole bunch when I was younger. Uh, one of the reasons that we like Acadia is because you can take your dog. It has to be on a leash, but I had a little um, mixed breed that thought she was a freaking alpine goat, so we'd have her on the lead and she'd just go crazy and jump on these rocks and everything. It was really cute. So dog friendly. Interestingly, I did not know about either one of these stories. So that was pretty cool. And then I have another one that's only an hour South. Do that one last. The first one is the ghost of compass Harbor. And that ghost is George door. He is often referred to as the father of Arcadia, not Arcadia, by the way, guys, that's a band that was started by Simon Le Bon as an offshoot of Duran Duran, so not Arcadia. <laughs> and not Arcade Fire, which is also a crappy band. Hey, Arcadia is not a crappy band. 
It was just a one album, one off. Oh my god! Something to do on the side. So look, we this sauce. We were also technically a music podcast, right? We're like all over the place. We have like no true identity. I think that's that's what makes us so awesome. Oh, we have an identity. <laughs> Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> but we are doing something. <laughs> <laughs> we're a thing. I I say we are a history podcast. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. that's what I tell everyone. <laughs> we cover lots of history. It's just all kind. Of, it's it's all over the. Place. Sometimes we talk about mafia murders. Yeah. Sometimes we talk about Gettysburg. Sometimes we talk about you know spooky ghosts that nobody knows who they are. But <laughs> we are history. Yeah, because today you're going to learn about George Doerr, and I bet you didn't even know about this dude, but he worked alongside John D. Rockefeller in developing Acadia National Park. Damn, I do not know this guy. Right? So the two collaborated in early 1900s to acquire and construct the park as it exists today. Dorr, who was independently wealthy, dedicated increasing time and effort to Mount <clears throat> Desert Island. I looked this up. I, as a child, would always call this Mount Desert Island. But when I looked on locations in Maine, how to say them, apparently you're supposed to call it Desert. <laughs> it's just... Is that the two S's? Mount Desert. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm still going to call it Mount Desert. I don't care. Mainers, I'm sorry. It's just... <laughs> there needs to be a second S in there, guys, if you want it to be dessert. I Anyway, okay. That's for another day. He resided in his family's estate named Old Farm on Mount <laughs> Desert Island <laughs> and took the lead in land conservation and preservation. He was the first superintendent of Acadia National Park. Compass Harbor held great personal significance to Dorr. He spent a considerable amount of time there. He was a firm believer in transcendentalism, which is viewing the connection between nature and humanity as spiritual. This deep belief in the importance of conservation fueled his passion for Acadia National Park, which he regarded as a place of worship. Kind of cool. And honestly, if you ever go there, it, yeah, the gods are talking to you in some fashion when you're there, man. It's it's beautiful. Dorr remained committed to the park until his passing in 1944 at the age of 91. He was never married and he didn't have any children, which became a problem because nobody knew what to do with his estate. So Dorr had donated his family's 30-room mansion to the park itself. But... In 1944, America is still involved in, what well, say, the United States is still involved in World War II. And governmental resources are very strained, obviously. Unfortunately, Old Farm had fallen into disrepair. And the National Park Service decided that the most pragmatic decision was to just tear it down. So the poor guy dies up there, gives his land and his house to them, and they just tear it down. Today, we'd consider this to be like terrible right i mean some somebody somewhere would have advocated to keep this alive right to fix it even if they had to wait shore things up until after the war whatever was necessary for sure unfortunately then it made economic sense and with no heirs to advocate for him and a lot of people's time and energy obviously in the war itself they decided to just go ahead and tear it down some people speculate that this was a slight to Dorr, considering his lifelong dedication to defending the park and keeping it from being developed or any subdivisions happening. Was he also kind of a thorn in the side of some of the newer, quote, kids on the block who were coming in? Because you have this old dude, he lives in the park, and he has a huge say in what you do and what goes on in the park, right? So... Some people think, oh, that's why they just went ahead and tore the place down. Like, he's gone. End of an era. We're done with it. Moving on with our lives. And this leads to the further speculation that this is why his ghost is seen lurking around in Compass Harbor up on the, uh, actually the place where he died. He was walking and he died in the park right up there. So. Yeah, I'd fucking haunt that place too. Right. Straight up. He collapsed and died. Uh, while walking on Compass Trail, which was with his caretaker. So the caretaker was with him, but could not save him. I think he might have had a heart attack. Couldn't find the exact cause of death on that one. Or maybe just old age because he was 91. I don't know. So uh, to reach Compass Harbor Trail, you take an hour-long hike 
head to intersection Route 3 on Schoonerhead Road at the parking lot. Uh, it's somewhat concealed where the location is, but it's on the north side. And there's stone steps leading up to the hill, which also takes you to the former footprint of the Door Estate. There have been, as I said, occasional sightings of George Door and his caretaker. So that's kind of interesting. They both kind of show up there because the caretaker didn't die up there, but he did obviously live up there for a long time too. Legend says if you encounter a well-dressed gentleman with a stutter, that's going to be Mr. Door. Just say hello, tell him how beautiful the place is, and move on with your life. Hey, yo, nice digs, Door. feel bad for that caretaker. It's like, all right, I got to look after this guy in life, and I got to look after him in death? Like, come on. Yeah, I was like, unless they were, like, super good friends, and it's a long-lasting friendship kind of thing, you know? Yeah, then, sure, but goddamn. Otherwise, it's like, I still got to work when I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Still taking care of this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> We can only hope that they could at least bear each other's presence. <laughs> yeah, dude, hopefully that's not like a curse. Jeez. Oh my god, I'm still with you? That's that's a movie right there. That'd be funny. That's a comedy. He was a Scientologist and signed like that billionaire contract to work for him. Oh, <laughs> uh, so the next one is crazy. Uh, I've never heard of this place. It was called the Devil's Oven Cave, or probably better known today as Anemone Cave. One of those names is better than the other. Yeah. Well, one of them is exactly what it is, and the other one is, well, also exactly what it is. <laughs> I like anemones. I know, me too. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Few examples of the sea's devastating power along Acadia shore are as awe-inspiring as Anemone Cave. Nestled within this zone of intricate and heavily fissured rock, the relentless onslaught of countless storms has carved a remarkable 82-foot path into the cliff face. I'm going to premise this now by telling y'all that this is an extremely dangerous place to go. And probably one of the reasons that I did not know about this place as a child is that, well, I'll tell you in a minute. As the 10-foot tides withdraw from the dimly lit recesses of the cave, pockets of seawater linger, giving rise to a vibrant ecosystem teeming with a multitude of colorful flora and fauna. Among them, the most prominent is the vivid pink enamel-like coating that adorns the tide pool's thriving living organism known as the coralline algae. Adding to the cave's lore are the sea anemones, resembling reddish-brown rosettes and reminiscent of miniature dahlias, which lend Anemone Cave its name. Take note, however, that signs, maps, directions, and guardrails have all been removed from this area to keep as many folks away from the cave as possible. The first reason was that folks were, perhaps in some cases, inadvertently destroying the ecosystem here by their presence, uh, you know, stealing anemones, messing up the cave interior, not realizing that it's actually a living organism. And two, this is not the safest place in the world to be, especially if you don't understand how tides work, and even the most experienced adventurer can get themselves sent to a watery grave. For example, in 1993, a 20-year-old College of the Atlantic student, sidebar, I got accepted to the College of the Atlantic, and I thought about going there for oceanography. Ooh. Yeah. Oceanography. Yeah, this would have been this would have been like um, shortly around the time that I was ex well, right before I was accepted, or right after I was accepted, actually, ninety three. So I was accepted in eighty nine. That's the that's the what if tales of Kiki, right? Yeah, I might have known this guy. It's creepy. Um, so Douglas Rose became trapped in the sea cave one Tuesday evening. Park rangers speculate that factors such as extreme cold temperatures, heavy rain, strong wind, and high tide prevented Rose from climbing to safety, potentially leading to his drowning. Access to the cave was only possible through the climbing rope that Rose had descended earlier. This story to me is crazy because there is totally a way that you can get to the cave without descending a rope that you've attached. I am not exactly sure what these guys were thinking. However, during the briefing at the ranger's headquarters, they kind of got an idea of what exactly happened. Okay, so the, they climbed and hiked for about a half an hour across the rocky terrain to reach the climbing area, quote-unquote. After securing their equipment, they descended on two ropes to the base of the cliff. Now it was low tide. This is the only time that you can reach this cave. The only time you can see it, the only time you can go in is low tide. 
So they maneuver across boulders and into the sea cave. They fasten their equipment to the ceiling to traverse it. Uh, okay, again, I'm not exactly sure why you would do that. But anyway, difficulties arose when the high tide interfered with their ascent from the sea cave. To exit it, they had to perform a Tarzan-type swing out of the cave mouth to reach the vertical slopes. The other boy that was there was Ryan. He was with a, another man named Ryan. He managed to climb out successfully, although it required traversing the ocean before reaching the vertical rope. Rose, however, encountered difficulties, and despite his efforts to climb, exhaustion, hypothermia, exacerbated by prolonged exposure to cold and wet conditions, which I can't believe they were actually out there like doing this when it was that cold, 45 minutes his friend Ryan attempted to try to save him, and uh, finally he had to give up, so he secured Rose's rope to the cliff and made his way to the Bar Harbor police station in total darkness. If anybody, you know, listens from Maine and you know this area, I can't even imagine trying to get through that area in darkness, let alone knowing that your friend is probably drowning and there's nothing you can do about it. Basically, they arrived that evening, that night, right, to try to rescue him. Unfortunately, Rose was found tethered on a rope floating face down in the surf, leading the rescuer to believe that he had already died. Due to treacherous conditions, the rescue operation was suspended until the next morning. So they didn't wind up being able to get his body out of there until 3.30 p.m. the next day because Oof. of how dangerous it was. That sucks. That, uh, I believe, probably prompted them to remove a lot of the... Later had prompted them to remove the guardrails and things of the people walking down there because I guess people don't understand tides. So when, when you're explained like, well, from this time to this time, the cave is in, inaccessible because it's filled with water, like completely filled. Yeah. That's why the anemones live in there. Okay. From here to here, you can see it, but you better get out quickly. Like, don't bother trying to get in there during even close to the time periods of high tide. I guess this is one of those, like, people who are landlocked are not going to understand this as much as somebody who maybe, like, lived at the shore. I don't know. Logan, what do you think? I know what tides are. Like, I'm not, like, well, I, there, took, there like you go. I took eighth grade, like, whatever, or science. Okay. I don't know if it's that people don't understand how tides work. I think they don't understand how fast it happens. I, I think that for sure. And I think people don't understand how actually treacherous those caves are. Because it's not just that it fills with water. If you're trying to get out when the freaking waves are coming in, yeah, the water is like in. pushing you deeper into the cave. It doesn't let you just swim out. That's what happened in this cave. Like you're getting, you're getting beat against the rocks because the, the tide is pushing you back into the cave. Unless there's a, an opposite side out, which there rarely is with like the coastal caves like that, at least that I ever know of. Yeah, this was definitely a no-no. It, like... it, it, just, it just beats you, like it'll smash you up against the cave and it'll push you back down into it. It's not just that it fills with water, it's rushing water. So I guess it's not that you don't understand how a tide works. I think it's like... Do you have an understanding of how fast it has happened? Maybe they underestimated it or overestimated their own ability or their own hubris. In, yes, in this case, yes. I think there were two 20-year-olds who thought were invincible and they could do anything. And that didn't go so well. But here's the thing. Native Americans and European settlers have reported witnessing peculiar lights and fires emanating from the cave regardless of the tide. This is where the spooky shit comes in. Even more unsettling are sporadic screams and incomprehensible conversations that echo from the cave. There is a book called Ghosts of Acadia written by Marcus Labrizzi, and he suggested that the cave served as a site for gruesome ritual sacrifices by Native Americans. Uh, now, of course, it's difficult sometimes to verify these claims, right? But And I called bullshit. I was like, oh, here we go. Another like, oh, Native American sacrifice, whatever. Uh-huh. Except... <laughs> A first-hand account existed. In the 1700s, a local trapper named Essex Winslow found himself at odds with members of the Micmac tribe. Captured by them, Winslow was brought into the Devil's Cave during low tide and tied to a stake. The Micmac left as a fire was ignited in the cave. Fortunately, the fire failed to spread rapidly and the rising tide eventually extinguished the flames. Winslow managed to free himself before the water level rose above his head which is what we just talked about. Like, 
it gets to a certain point, you still have a little bit of time to escape. After that, you're effed. Despite his harrowing tale of survival, it is evident that the sacrificial ritual in the cave was a customary practice. So, huh. I was like, I did not think that there was going to be an actual... Yeah, that seems, you know, seems like a... This seems like a tall tale until it's like, well... Until it's not. <laughs> yeah, now, now this guy's synced it. I synced it. <laughs> yeah, so that's interesting. And of course, it was called the Devil's Oven because, you know, they burn people to death in there. Yay. Are they trying to forget the history by taking all that stuff down and whatnot? Or are they just like, please don't go here? Like, why don't they just block it off? Well, if you look at where it is... It's it's like one of those things where you're not encouraging people to go there by having all the markers and the, the guides and all of that. You know, they could put up as much safety information as they want. Someone's still going to do something stupid, right? Mm-hmm. But at least this way, it's not advertised anymore as a tourist place. All right, fair. Except for the advertising that we're doing right now. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you how to get there. Although I know exactly how to get there. <laughs> Is it advertising to say somebody died here like because it sucks to go in the cave? Is that advertising? Yeah, I'm not actually advocating for you to go in the cave. We're giving warnings on why you shouldn't. You should definitely <laughs> not go in the cave. Well, and I for for even the reason I stated first of all, which is I believe that the guide rails and everything else were taken down because they didn't want the ecosystem there destroyed. Mm. That was the main mm. reason. Mm-hmm. The secondary reason, I think, is, hey, people died there. You probably should have tried to fuck around down there. As the representative of Mission Spooky, I am saying it is fine to go there as long as you respect oh the, eco- oh the eco- ecosystem. Oh, my God. That's what our stance as the podcast is. You're going to respect the ecosystem by becoming food for it? Yes. Yeah, exactly. The anemones need food. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is why Logan's a good stand-in for JC because that's what he would have said. Yeah, like... totally, that's totally something JC would advocate, <laughs> at least in a joking way. So it just... yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> so my last one, uh, really quickly. This this one's this one caught my eye because it has a ghostly object as well as screams that go with it. So. And I'm talking about Maiden Cliff Trail and Camden Hills State Park. Don't get confused with Camden and Jersey, okay? It's not not that one. Damn. Is this is this Pennsylvania or still in Maine? This is still in Maine. This is only an okay. hour and a half away from Acadia. So you could kind of do both. An hour and a half south of Acadia National Park is Camden Hills State Park. By the way, both of these parks do have campgrounds that you can stay in. Even before it officially became a state park half a century ago, the parks, peaks, valleys, and scenic vistas attracted local crowds. Also, they refer to this as Little Acadia, and you can still get very much the same feel of Acadia without having to put up with all the traffic in Acadia, depending on what time of year it is. Especially leaf peeper season, I'd say go to Camden Hill. Oh, shit. Yeah, Logan. So leaf peeper season is when people who don't live in New England drive up to New England to watch yeah. the yeah, yeah to, to watch the yeah. fall leaves turn. And they're usually like assholes to the locals. So, dude, it's a it, it, OK. It's a yeah. nightmare. It happens down here. even. It, it's it does. Are it these does like city here. folks or are they yeah, just like, I'm from Alabama. I've never like they have to have leaves in Alabama. Right. Like, well, it's I say it's a conglomeration. I mean, like. I've always wanted to go up, but I live in the forest and I can see the leaves change like right here in my own fucking backyard. Mm-hmm. But it's the different types of trees and just the spectacular color variation okay. All right. in New England that is so spectacular that I can totally understand why people want to go see it. It has an aesthetic. It does. However, I also understand that the poor locals just want to like fucking murder <laughs> assholes, city, okay. city folk. And this just is like, another thing you know, we're advocating for is leaf, go be a leaf paper. Uh, um sure just be respectful you know like you can peep the leaves yeah just don't be a dick this has always been our motto at mission spooky you can go to these places and do (laughs) these things just don't don't be be a dick yeah all right fair how can you start being an asshole (laughs) we no longer advocate what you're doing (laughs) over doesn't matter what else it is you're doing 
The second you start being an asshole, we no longer advocate for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I gotta say this. I gotta say this word. So, reports from visitors to the park recount bone-chilling, ghostly screams that echo from the summit of Mount Maguntacook. Yes. I'm sorry. What? One try. Mount Maguntacook. Two for two. So I, I went hunting. I didn't shoot anything. So I guess I just got my gun to cook. Is that, yes. is that what that is? <laughs> yes. And thank you for Logan, who pointed out that that's what it sounds like. Because I yeah. could say it all day long. Good job. You're welcome. <laughs> Additionally, witnesses have observed bats mysteriously appearing and then vanishing into thin air. You heard that right, guys. A hat mysteriously appearing and vanishing into thin air. Oh, a hat. I thought you said a bat. I'm like, yeah, they do that, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Woo, they're just here and they're gone. So these strange occurrences may be tied to a tragedy that occurred on May 6, 1864, that involved 11-year-old Eleonora French. What had started as a joyous group excursion quickly transformed into shocking and grief-stricken events. A detailed account of this incident is recalled by Eleanor's sister and is featured in the 1915 issue of the Camden Herald. Earlier that day, Eleanor's older sister and a local school teacher named Ms. Hartshorn. Hartshorn is a great last name, by the way, for our TTRPG people. Uh, <laughs> steal that. <laughs> they planned to venture into town to meet up with some friends. Persuaded by Eleanora, they all dined together with Randall Young. He proposed a hike to Mount McGuntacook, but he wanted to take a less traveled route. This is where hubris, again, kind of plays in a little bit. Young's companions were taken aback upon reaching the summit. It has an imposing cliff with a steep and sudden drop-off, so they weren't going any further. In an attempt to entertain the ladies, Young announced that he's uh, going to go up to the top and he's going to roll a boulder off the cliff. Hell yeah. So he goes up there to search for a suitable boulder, Eleanor's sister and Miss Hartshorn engage in a conversation, and she starts to explore the rocky summit. The hat that she had on had bug netting. It's like you have a hat and there's netting on it that can come down. Keep the bugs out of your face. It's very vintage. As the wind blew, her hat and the netting were whisked away. She retrieved both items, and then she goes to sit down. Moments later, there's a blood-curdling scream as Eleanora plummeted 300 feet down to the bottom. Although no one witnessed the exact sequence of events, authorities concluded that her hat may be once again flown off her head, leading to her inadvertently falling off the cliff while attempting to retrieve it. She remained alive after the impact, enduring through the night, but ultimately succumbing to her internal injuries the following day. So perhaps the screams you hear are Eleonora as she fell off the cliff, and that disappearing hat, well, probably hers. Dang. Sadness. I always end on a sad note. It's <laughs> kind of a bummer <laughs> episode, guys. Like, <laughs> I thought we were taking a bummer break for summer, Kiki. What the hell? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to scare you all summer long. Let's keep it going. So, um, you know, we, we were into the summer of Ska. Pick it up. And That's why I'm here. <laughs> yes. I was to say, Logan uh, introduced us to some awesome Ska bands. This one today and also um, Upfucks for later. That's a few weeks from now. Yeehaw. So I'll tell you what, this band, I went ahead and bought the whole album. So that's that says something. I don't always do that. Sometimes I'll just buy the song that we're going to be promoting, for example. And then sometimes I buy the whole album because it's really awesome. And in this case, it was really awesome. And that band is Cheem, which apparently they were having kind of a standoff whether or not they were Cheem or Keem. I personally am Team Cheem, which I did tell them when I said I was going to be playing one. <laughs> it's like, I am Team Cheem, dude. 100% Team Cheem. Yeah, Keem is just weird. I don't I don't get it. Have you listened to the album, I'm assuming, Logan? Yes. Yeah. Well, if you're talking about Guilty Pleasures uh, multiple, yes. multiple times. On my okay. Spotify, like, like, oh, on replay, <laughs> it's like every song from that album is on my Spotify replay for the last, like, six months. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, right now, my... Two favorite songs are Snag and Mango. Mango's really good. My favorite is Cheem Season. I gotta dive into this. It's really good. I was thinking I was going to play Snag, because I really like that song. Mm -hmm. And I have, I, I have carte blanche to play whatever the hell I want, because this band fucking rocks. Uh, they're out of Connecticut, by the way, in case anyone wants to know. And yeah, Ska, it's so freaking cool. Like, pretty much all the songs rock. They do. Yeah, they're they're, they, they have Ska elements. They're much more, they classify themselves as, uh, yeah, new, new pop. 
but they they have Scott elements for sure. Yes. And then I also read an interview where they were pretty much like punk was their influence in the beginning. And then like a little bit of new metal mixed in there. And then, yeah, like it's, it's a conglomeration, but it's, it friggin' works. We're going to do snag by team off of their 2022 album called guilty pleasure. And when we get back, uh, we'll beg for money and talk about Logan's endeavors. Yeehaw. Welcome back. Come back. All right, Logan, you go first. What's up with you? Okay, well, first off, uh, Cheem, if you're listening, huge fan. Love you guys so much. Uh, genuinely, genuinely huge fan. Uh, I am Logan Vo. Uh, you can follow me on my personal TikTok or Instagram at Hey Yo Logan. I'm a dice maker by trade. Uh, the TikTok's there to watch me make dice, and then you can visit my dice website where i sell them at mingobroresin.com i'm also a podcaster uh i do the podcast lost legends tales of thern uh this will be out in july you said right yeah so yeah the season three finale will probably be out or just about out by the time this comes out so listen to all of it kiki joins uh our show as a regular member uh around episode five or six of season three so yeah, listen to her, uh, do a bunch of stuff, and our characters don't get along, and it's really endearing and fun. Um, also, I have a Godzilla podcast called Godzilla Destroy All Podcast, where me and my buddy Chuck just talk about a certain kaiju the whole time and discuss its like facts and stats. And Kiki and Cord have both been on that also. Yay. Because we're huge Zilla fans. Yeah, you. That's about all I got. By the way, your experimental uh, resin things uh i i really want to like i have resin here that i've been meaning to like fuck around with and do like pendants and stuff Mm -hmm. the one with the (laughs) the dryer lint yeah that was unhinged i was like yeah let's just fucking do it so but they look amazing those dice look amazing are they still yes i still have them i don't really want to i don't want to sell them because it's my hair is in there too along with my dryer Yeah, like they look great, but like uh, there's like my hair and I got you. Yeah, there's our keepers. Yeah, so that's kind of weird. Be like, here, Kiki, buy my hair. (laughs) Like, (laughs) seems weird. But well, what if I bought your hair? That wouldn't be weird. That would just be like friends buying. I don't know. I've never bought my friends' hair before, so (laughs) yeah, I don't know if that's a thing, Kiki. Also, I know oh, you're into witchcraft and stuff. I'm like, ah, you could do a lot of stuff with my hair. I don't know. Oh, shit. <laughs> don't ever cross me, Logan. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I just, I, I've done stuff with like Jolly Ranchers and uh, I just put out one with stained glass. Uh, another TikToker sent me some stained glass. Um, by the time this episode's out, I, I made Span Masubi and put that in some dice. I'm planning that, so that'll be out by now. So yeah. Just doing some weird shit. And also, I have, like, real dice that actually look really cool and, like, are useful for D&D. You do. Your your dice colors have been amazing lately. And, yeah, did you say to follow you on TikTok? Cause... Yeah, hey, yo, Logan. Okay, because that's where you see all this fucking awesome shit. Hey, thanks, Logan, for joining us today. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Anytime, Kiki. Oh, man, because I know that you wanted in on this one because, you know, you want to... You wanted to make a little shout out to Cheem, which I thought was really sweet. In case they listened and they wanted to hear my voice, they know I exist now. So, <laughs> Also, Cheem, I used a couple of your songs in my videos and they got like 5,000 views. So 5,000 people more may have heard your songs. <laughs> Copyright <laughs> strike. <laughs> <laughs> no, like on TikTok. 
And that's what I, I honestly, that's a great segue to something that I'm working on. Instead of like talking about where to, I mean, yeah, we have a Patreon. Go check it out. I'm not going to get too much into that right this minute because you guys probably know the drill by now. But yeah, we have a Patreon. Check it out. We have a Discord that's open. Uh, also, you know, come join us and talk about weird shit and also anything else music, gaming, you name it. We got channels for all of it. We're on Twitter until it self destructs. We're on Instagram as Mission Spooky. And of course, don't forget to check us out on iTunes, Podchaser, and Good Good Pods. I actually have some um, Good Pods recommendations lists on there for other podcasts that we all listen to. But the segue musically is uh, I'm working on changing up our TikTok. So I've taken a lot of like the the gardening stuff <laughs> and the side side things that I was personally doing, and I made a personal TikTok. So if you want to check that out and you still want to see what the garden looks like and you still want to see nature and animals like that snake video that was insane um like all that stuff and if you don't know what i'm talking about go to the tiktok and find me right i'll i'll put it somewhere for you to find me but mission spooky is just going to be just the podcast now just talking about what we're going to be discussing but i'm going to be doing like some really cool like musical recommendations for example are going to be coming out um by october and some other things like art recommendations and you know kind of like hyping up things that we like but also promoting the podcast as well so yeah yeah very nice yeah yeah taking us out once again is the amazing team with their song snag and as always stay spooky and don't die but if you do contact us you get your old KFC chicken bones, and then you shake them up in your hands, and you throw your bones, and then you read how the bones are, and that's how you can contact us. Do you want to hurt me? Because I'm going to let you in.